Good morning, church, and welcome. Hey, the light has come. Thanks be to God. We gather to worship today to declare and to celebrate that in the birth of Jesus, the light of the world has come. It fills our hearts with great joy. We have been in this journey anticipating, waiting, longing uh, for God to come, our hearts filled with hope and peace, and joy, and love, and now, in the coming of Christ, filled with praise and thanksgiving for the light of the world. This is uh, our focus for worship today. This probably looks a little bit different. Dustin uh, and I up here together. I'm I'm here, but I'm not doing anything. Yet. 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 He literally said that I was a prop. Yeah. (laughs) That does not make me look very good, Dustin. But uh, we hope that this will be uh, an important and meaningful moment for you. I know that many of you are our guests, and we welcome you, perhaps your family, and you're here uh, to visit with family through the Christmas holiday. We welcome you to this place, and we pray that the Spirit of God will fill your heart and your life uh, with great light and a great joy. Here are these words from the Gospel of John. Uh, that remind us of this truth. John 1, this is verses 4 and 5. All things came into being through him, and without him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness did not overcome it. Do you know, in the beginning, God created all things. And he did so by speaking a word. Genesis 1 says, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, Genesis says. The light was good. And he separated the light from the darkness. The light from the darkness. Isn't it amazing? The first words of creation, the first word of creation that called creation into existence was let there be light. Or put another way, God just said light. And there was light. It's amazing. It's an, oh, wow. Light has come. Light has come. And here we are the day after the birth of Christ, December the 26th, and we have come to adore him just like those first magi who made their way from the east, who just after Jesus was born said this. This is Matthew 2. We saw his star... When it rose, a great light in the sky, and we've come to worship him. Just like them, we've come to worship him. It's an oh wow, because light has come. It was what they had been waiting and longing for. Our four-week journey while we are waiting that we sometimes call Advent is really 
just a glimpse into generations upon generations upon generations who in Israel's long history had been waiting and longing. They were waiting and longing just as we are waiting and longing for something beyond us, something more, something to break in, waiting and longing. The prophet said this. This is Matthew 4. The people living in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death. A light has dawned. The people living in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death. A light has dawned. Jesus, in all his brilliance, has come. It's an oh wow moment. Now, for those of you who are visiting, you may not pick up on this, but the last several weeks we've been talking about the oh wow. And I challenged those of you who were here on Christmas morning. I said, when you wake up Christmas morning, let your waking thoughts and words be these. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. How many of you started your Christmas morning with an oh, wow? It's amazing. Light has come, has broken into the darkness. It's good news. I mean, have you ever tried to walk around in the dark? You know, your eyes adjust. God made our eyes so that they'll adjust. Dilate to let more or less light in. You know how that works. You've experienced that. But that only works if there's a little bit of light, at least some light. If you've ever been in total uh, darkness, the absence of any light, it is incredibly, I mean, I, I, this is what I understand, it is incredibly disorienting. You can't figure out which way is which and what is up and what is down. It is only if there's a little light. In complete darkness, you're totally disoriented. You can learn to navigate, to move around things in the dark. But only if there's a little light. And what if things keep moving around? What if somebody keeps rearranging the furniture? You know, when I was a kid, my mom liked to rearrange the furniture in the living room all the time. I don't know why. She just did. Maybe she liked things to be different now and then. She was always rearranging the furniture in the living room. I would learn at night when the lights were off, kind of where things were and navigate around, and then she'd move the furniture on me, and I'd try and walk around when it was dark in there, and I'd bang my shins on everything, right? You can learn to navigate in the dark if you know where the furniture is, but if somebody starts moving things around, if things start changing, it's a little more difficult, isn't it? Here's the good news. We declare this morning that the light has come. Finally and decisively and joyfully, the light has come. And I want you to hear uh, the word of the Lord um, from Isaiah 60, read for us this morning. Henry will come and read that. Um, from Isaiah 60, verses 1 through, 1 through 3. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the people. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Henry, this is the word of the Lord declaring that the light has come. 
we are declaring and celebrating and praying, uh, thanking God that the light has come. But I have a question for you. If that's true, that the light has come, then why does it still seem so dark around here? I don't just mean in the room, because I know the lights are low. (laughs) I mean, if we uh, gather together, we believers in Jesus, gather together in the name of Jesus and declare that the light has come, then why does it still seem so dark around here? And I was remembering, uh, when I was thinking about that question, I was remembering Matthew's story of the birth of Jesus, the one where the magi come, they see the star in the night sky, and they follow the star and the night sky. And I remembered when King Herod heard all of this, he was disturbed. It says he was, uh, not only he was disturbed, but all of Jerusalem was disturbed at this notion that in the birth of this child, the one uh, indicated by the star, that the king of the Jews had come into the world. He was disturbed by this. And Herod called the Magi and he asked them, hey, exactly when did you see that star? And Herod had this plan to send the Magi to track this Jesus child down and to come back and let him know because he viewed that as a threat. Only the Magi, once they made their way and they they were there and they knelt before the child in the manger, they sniffed out what Herod was up to and it says in Matthew 2 that they skipped town. Well, it doesn't say it like that. It says they, they left town. They went back home. And then, after that, Mary and Joseph, having a sense of what Herod might be up to, they skipped town as well, right? You might remember in the story that Mary and Joseph take Jesus and they flee to Egypt. And when word gets back to uh, Herod, he's really ticked off. It says in most translations, he's furious. I just say he's ticked off. He's furious. And he gives orders to just, to just eliminate the threat altogether. Kill all the baby boys in Bethlehem and in all of the vicinity around Bethlehem. Let's just uh, eliminate the threat. And so he sends his forces out to execute uh, that order. I'm telling you, there doesn't, there isn't, a darker day than that, right? That's a dark day for sure. So if light has come into the world in the birth of Jesus, and it lights up the night sky, right? And why is there still such darkness like this? The best way I know to talk about it is like this. It's to say that Though God is light and in him is no darkness at all, the darkness keeps pressing in, doesn't it? It keeps creeping up, sometimes sneaking up on us, sometimes subtly moving in like the fog that you drove through this morning to get here to worship. It sneaks up on us. And sometimes it seems to us in the moment in which we sit that the darkness is actually greater than the light. May even seem like the darkness has overcome the light. But the coming of Jesus means that the darkness cannot and will not overcome the light. In our finitude, bound by time and space and in any single given moment, it may seem like 
that the darkness is greater, right? In the space that we occupy, let me put it like this. In the moment that we are given, the darkness may seem great. Did you know that light is actually a series of waves and cycles? Now, I am no physicist, not pretending to play preacher physicist up here, Dustin. But it's true that if you, you know this about light intuitively because you've seen lights flicker, right? Different wavelengths, different frequencies, that lights are moving in a wavelength. And the faster the wavelength, the less you'll notice the flicker, but the more drawn out it is, right? That's where you get this thing going on. The the sequence, the pattern of what's happening with light is um, light is apparent to us, and then it's not, and then it's apparent to us, and it's not. And it moves. There's there's really interesting physics formulas for this. If you want to go Google those after church, you can Google those after church. But let me suggest this, that maybe it's, it's a good way for us to conceive of why, if we believe the light has come, there is still darkness, because in the long stretch of time, in eternity, which we believe that God owns, eternity, we find ourselves sometimes in the cycle of light, where the, where the light is bright and apparent to us, and sometimes in the down cycle of that wave where it seems dark. Does that make sense? Makes sense to me. That we're looking at our own experience in life in such short, uh, short time frames that it can seem like the darkness in that moment is greater than the light that has already come and that the light will not be overcome even in the cycle of light and dark, light and dark. The birth of Jesus into the world reminds us that darkness is not the last thing. It's not the last thing. My dear um, professor, colleague, mentor, friend, uh, Charlie Seibert, you may have known Charlie Seibert, who's passed on from this life. I mean, Charlie taught me so many things. They're always in my head, swimming around in my head, and they, they come to the surface at just the right time. I remember the words of Charlie. Charlie used to say to us, who were in courses with him for ministry, he used to say, you know, very profound theological statement this is, the worst things are not the last things. The worst things are not the last things. And he said those things, even once he had been diagnosed with cancer and right up until those last moments of his life, the privilege to be with him his family gathered around. The worst things are not the last things. The darkness has not overcome the light. This is what we declare, even in death. Death itself is not the last thing. The great darkness. I imagine in the end, because I've heard people talk about it and we grasp in our finitude to understand our own finitude and the veil between life and death, that in those moments when we are passing from life to death to life again, that there is a light, a bright light. And I don't know if when I experience that moment, as we all will experience that moment, 
I will be able to utter the words or not. But in my heart and in my spirit, I trust that that will be the grandest. Oh, wow. Light has come. And the darkness has not overcome it. This is what we declare and celebrate today. And this is what we make our prayer. Dustin's going to lead us, and I would ask you to participate by reading the words that are in bold. Let's pray together. God, with you there is no darkness. Your character has no shadows, and you are pure, and you are good. Yet in our broken world, we see so much darkness around us. Pain, sickness, and disease are in our community and in many of our homes. Bring your light Light and and restoring presence presence to to the the dark places in our lives. Bring your your hope to hearts that feel feel defeated. defeated. Bring Bring your love and compassion to those in pain. Give us faith to say with the psalmist, Lord, Lord, you light my lamp. My God illuminates my darkness. May your light of hope shine in the darkness for families today. Show us glimpses of your presence with us and the comfort you bring. In the busyness of today, help us to take a moment to be still and sit with you, to slow down, breathe deeply, and release our burdens to your strong hand. Lord, you are trustworthy, good, and true, and we thank you for caring for us so deeply and beautifully. Open our eyes to see you at work today. Give us your light. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. God, with you there is no darkness. Your character has no shadows, and you are pure, and you are good. You are trustworthy, you are good, and you are true. Thank you for caring for us so deeply, so beautifully. We've been talking about doing something like this for a while. This is his first time to do something like this, so very proud of him. So Henry, we've been talking about how in Jesus, the light of the world has come, and how the darkness has not overcome it, even though it seems like there's a lot of darkness around us. Um, share with us your thoughts and reflections on what you think that means for us as um, we affirm that the light has come and the darkness has not overcome it. Well, I think we can all concur. Light has come. The reason we're celebrating the season. Although, as you know, with recent events have, have come to show, it's not always the biggest, brightest light that, that we have around us. So, it makes sense that, that Jesus would call, would call us to, uh, to spread light. You know, the idea of spreading light isn't necessarily a new thing. Um, we can take it to a literal sense all the way back in Genesis. There was absolutely nothing. There was nothing but darkness. But, but God spoke, and there was light. We can look again uh, to, to Matthew 5, Jesus is giving his Sermon on the Mount, and in verses uh, 14 through 16, he says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do, people, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and give it light 
to all the house. Sorry. Uh, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see God a good work and give glory to the Father who is in heaven. Paul tells us in Philippians 2 that we have to shine like stars in the night sky. So, it, it, it makes sense. It, it, it's said a lot that, that we need to spread the light, but it's a hard thing. The world's a dark place. It started in darkness, and it's continued to be one. You know, light comes in wavelengths. We, we talked about that. Light, light comes in la- wavelengths. Amen. So, it can be difficult. But sometimes you just have to dive in. You see, some of you who have talked to me personally might know that uh, I'm a swimmer. I'm a competitive swimmer. I've been swimming competitively since I was seven years old, 10 years. I'm 17 now. I've been swimming for Bernie High School for the past three years. And in it, we have to wake up about seven o'clock every morning, drive about 15 minutes into town to an outdoor pool that's rarely heated because the heater breaks about a good two to three weeks right on schedule. We practically track it. So winter training, swimming's technically a winter sport according to UIL. So we're out there December, January, February, and unless it's below th- freezing, we have to get in the water and we have to swim. And it's hard because... It's cold. Day, it's cold. <laughs> it's cold. It's cold out. You know, days are short, nights are long. It's, it's freezing cold. But, you know, a lot of times I, I have to stand there. I stand there at the edge of the pool. I'm looking out at the darkness and cold. I tell myself that I have to dive in. I have to keep on going. I have to keep on training. I need to, I need to do something because there's a bigger plan out there. There's a bigger plan for something for me to do. So I just dive in. And that's what we're called to do as Christians. We are called to spread God's light. Even though it may seem hard, even though we may be at the bottom of a wavelength, or you might be standing at the edge of the pool in 33 degrees... Fahrenheit, yeah, Fahrenheit. Um, you just have to dive in. That's the call. That's the call. Thanks, Henry. Just dive in. Look, I don't know where you stand, the edge of a pool, the bottom of a wavelength, but I want you to know that God's light is present for you and that God calls us to trust him, to trust that the light overcomes the darkness and that the darkness doesn't overcome the light. We give thanks for this. So this we celebrate today. Let me lead us in prayer, and then Dustin's going to come, and we're going to offer songs of praise to conclude our worship this morning. Let's pray. Oh, God, we give you thanks uh, that the darkness has not overcome the light, and we give you thanks that you've called us into a community of light bearers. Remind us, even as Jesus has proclaimed, that we are the light of the world. That a city on a hill cannot be hidden. That a church in the hill country on the side of a hill cannot be hidden. 
Help us to bear Jesus, the light of the world, into the world, for the sake of the world. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.